It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On presents More Than the Game. Hello and welcome to Locked On Presents More Than the Game. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of all black people in sports. This is part four of the series of interviews, conversations, and roundtables covering opportunity, activism, and protest. Today, we're discussing black history in sports, how history is made, how it's learned, and how it's preserved as we move forward. I'm Chris Carter, host of Locked On Steelers. John, some sports guy, Hickman, host of Locked On Texans. I'm Aaron Freeman, host of Locked On Falcons. The reason why black history in sports is important is because the same reason why black history in America is important. Blackness is, pun intended, integrated into the very fiber of American history. And that's the same in sports. And sports is a big part of America. It's one of our biggest exports in this country to the rest of the world. And the black experience, as far as that concerns, is an integral part of that. And it's been similar to the struggle of blacks in America throughout the last you know, 300 years. It's a, been a similar struggle for blacks in the sports arena to sort of have their stories be told. And I think that's one of the things that we're going to talk about on today's uh, episode. I agree, Aaron. It's uh, it's certainly, it's certainly something that I think that everyone can relate to. It's, it's sports is an important medium when we're talking about this. A lot of times when something needs to change, when black people have, uh, you know, our, our, our predecessors, our ancestors have pushed for change in this country, there's always needed to be some way that can reach out to the part of to the country that are insensitive, that are apathetic and or, or you know, that we need to change when people say they want to change the hearts and minds. It, you know, that's a phrase that people use. But how it often happens is you connect to people and sports is one of those things that people can connect with. They can say, well, what you know, I played sports when I was younger and they can, you know, they can connect to challenges and to maybe a sense of fairness. Now, it doesn't always work, as we've seen time and time again, but it is something that people have used to connect with. And there's been a lot of people who have taken the opportunity. And that's what we're here to talk about history wise, from, you know, back to Paul Robinson, to Jackie Robinson, to Jim Brown, to everybody that's 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 coming between. Um, and, you know, up to, you know, even Colin Kaepernick and the people that are that are working today to better the position of black people in this country while they're being professional athletes, it's a huge opportunity. Um, but it's also come with a lot of bumps in the road, a lot of dangers, a lot of challenges, a lot of frustrating times for, for our people. So, but I, I think when you look at, like you said, when you look at black history, well, black at sports history, it's part of black history because both are integral to how America has become the country that it is today and what we understand as a lot of conversations are, I mean, you know, we were talking, we, we did a, one of these, one of these shows back in the spring or summer when the George Floyd protests were popping off a huge credit to where that has gone came from, you know, when, with, with black, with black lives matter, but also with, also with Colin Kaepernick and the protests that he started. And we saw players take that to the next level in uniting to create a, a, a united front on a video saying black lives matter because, and they, and and make it a statement that the NFL had to agree with. Um, it's those types of things that I think 
can't be ignored when you're talking about not just black sports history, but sports history. I think the importance for uh, blacks and their sports history is just understanding that we are all not fortunate in a lot of areas, but sports is one of those things, especially I'm from Texas. We can all galvanize and come together and to see somebody that looks like you or may have your last name, uh, maybe from the neighborhood you're from, maybe from that small town that you are from, it helps you kind of inspire yourself to do better. And Chris, you mentioned all of the activism that the older players of the uh, the older generation players, especially NFL basketball throughout the course of uh, sports in general, and the younger players like Colin Kaepernick, those are important. Do you think Colin Kaepernick would have that inspiration if Jim Brown didn't do it back in the you know 50s and 60s and 70s? Do you think LeBron James would be so uh, so into activism and, and how he carries himself outside of sports if he didn't see athletes before him before his time like a Muhammad Ali carry themselves that same way? So the mirror image is what I, I think is very important for uh, blacks in, in sports and their history because it gives you that bigger platform to reach more than your immediate neighborhood, your immediate family. And then on top of that, the kids that are coming up under you, the generations under you can see somebody that looks like them, that makes that impact and still honestly have fun doing what they enjoy doing, which is playing sports. No, I agree. I think that uh, uh, we, we, we people see that they connect with it. And um, and it's another way, you know, people used to you know, say sports are the great equalizer and things that, you know, that, that, that say, hey, you know, is this person faster than this person, this person better than this person? And we still seen in those moments where black people have been cheated, uh, you, know, you know, time, time and time again. Uh, you know, Muhammad Ali had his belt stripped, for, stripped of him because he stood up for us. You know, I, I mean, Colin Kaepernick, still to this day, he's the only 28-year-old quarterback in the history of, of the NFL who's throwing at least 200 passes while they're 28 to not receive at least a contract offer uh, in, in that time. So, you know, when people say, oh, he, he was just because he was bad, it's like, listen, there's been a lot worse quarterbacks who have come through that have, at, at his age at, that, have, that was throwing as much as he did, and they all got jobs. You know, so it's it's one of those things where people get to see all that, like, you know, Jackie Robinson – people got to see all the things that he went through. And then after a while, people were like, okay, maybe this is a problem. Maybe this is a bad thing. And, and I think, you know, the, even the tone on Colin Kaepernick has changed, has changed a, a little bit, not a whole lot. Cause there's still the people who are staunchly like, you know, he should never come back in the league and he never deserved to be in the league, but there's more people that are like, okay. I mean, he's an icon now, not just to, not just to, you know, black activists, but to the world about how to stand up for what is right even even when it's going to cost you the career that you worked so hard to get, um, and, and I think that's something we all have we we all kind of get get pride from. But it's also something that when other people, when, you know, when people who aren't black look at that and they say, "Man, like that's inspiring," and then it gets them to think about how how does race impact their life? How does race impact their decisions and maybe things that they weren't thinking about, th- they, things they weren't processing? And I, I think that's where the history of black sports is so important to understand where it challenged so many people, you know, when, you know, people, there's, there's unifying moments where a lot of the country could get behind Jesse Owens because they were beating Hitler. But then there's dividing moments where, you know, people romanticize now about Muhammad Ali, but he was one of the most hated professional athletes of his time because he was so confident, you know, LeBron James, people will talk. I, I guarantee 20 years from now, people will talk about him. Like everybody loved him. No one ever hated. We see the, the consistent hate of LeBron James and the NBA and when they're activists and everything, but it's that romanticism that once we, once the country has become detached from the moment and from the challenge and the question that black people are asking, like, Hey, we are asking for, you know, to be equal in this sense. We are asking for you to address this problem. When we start to get to those moments, that's you know that's when people have a problem with it but when you move away from them they're like oh yeah of course i i love that and i think that's where sports kind of show allows us to go back in time when you see people wishing death upon muhammad ali when you see people you know respond poorly to the 1968 mexico olympics uh you know you you you've seen those challenges and what they were at the time and we have to preserve them and i think it's people who cover black you know black journalists people who cover sports it's part, part of our job is to capture those moments and tell those stories and remind people, this is the struggle that we went through. So that when the next person who comes along, whether it's someone like Naomi Osaka right now, um, 
they understand that, hey, this pressure that I'm feeling, this fear that I'm feeling, someone else felt this and someone else stood up to it and gives them the courage to stand up to it in that moment. I think that's a huge part of why it's great to tell these stories. I do want to add that the strength of black athletes, uh, specifically in this country, since we were allowed, in a sense, to play that sport when football was able to be integrated and when the NBA was being able, uh, was, was able to integrate black athletes and track and so on and so forth. And we, we know how great the Negro league was. Yes. Like we love Jackie Robinson. We really do. But there's a sense of strength that not only am I going to be the first or now in 2021, you know, you still have athletes that are the first rich in their family, the first uh, professional athlete in their family. There's a strength of black athletes from being the first to carry in legacies from, you know, beyond their time, before their time, rather, and still having to advocate for other black people. That's super strong to me. There's the seed that was planted in them before they even kind of knew that they were going to be on this path and it was water. Understanding that, do you know how strong it is for you to have to play 82 games in a season, talk to the media, get ready for the playoffs. If you're fortunate enough to go to the playoffs, uh, you have all of these ads and sponsors and media, uh, I'm sorry, and businesses outside of the game. And then you have to advocate, well, you want to advocate for other black Americans in this country. And you've been doing that for the case of LeBron James for a course of year 20 almost. That's that, that to me, that speaks to the culture and strength of black athletes. Like we're super strong and it does take black media, the media in general, but I, I believe that black media members also have to put themselves in that position and advocate for other black media members, but also paint the picture right. Don't allow the message to get screwed up because of what the national media may want to paint this athlete as, but understand, especially with the case of like Colin Kaepernick, this is what's happening and let's make sure we do our job and do it correctly uh, to use our voice for what's going on outside of sports. Yeah, I think you guys have made some excellent points and some of the things that you guys have said talking about sort of sports being the great equalizer. And I think that's one of the the core elements because we you, Chris, you've already touched upon this. John, you've touched upon this as well. It's not always equal, right? But sports are at least in theory supposed to be a fair competition between two parties. And we know that in America, it's not always been fair. That's the kindest way you can put it uh, for, for Black people in this country. But sports has given them an opportunity to sort of play on a much more even than it is uh, playing ground than it is in sort of outside of that arena. And I think going to what John is saying, I think Black athletes in America have done an excellent job of not only just saying, doing the thing of, say, Michael Jordan of letting my play speak for itself and not sort of being um, controversial outside of that and sort of conforming into this path of being the best athlete I can possibly be. And my blackness will speak for itself rather than my words. But I think with today's athletes, as well as past athletes, going beyond that and saying, look, just being excellent at the sport is not enough. We have to use our platform in order to expand opportunities for the people that don't get this opportunity. The people that aren't, you know, 6'8", 260 pound, uh, uh, I was gonna call it LeBron James a power forward, but he's in all everything because he, he can do anything. Um, or, you know, in the case of football players, a Julio Jones, who, you know, is 6'2", 220, can run as fast as anybody out there and, and do all the things that he can do. Uh, Deshaun Watson, the, the quarterback for the Texans. Um, all these players that have this opportunity to do more than what their play allows them to do and, and expand opportunities for people who don't have the size, the athleticism, the speed, uh, all those things that can allow them the opportunities that they get. Um, and using that platform for good, I think, is, is really one of the things that has changed in this country, particularly in recent years. And I think that's been one of the better changes we, that we've seen. And I think the build on that, where you go at 
how uh, what often pushes those 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 individuals at those times to say, hey, I have to stand up for the, in these moments because, like you said, it, it, it's, it's strength that the, that these athletes had in, in those times. But it was seeing all the things that they have to go through, and then understanding that what they're going through is part of what a lot of other people are going through. I and mean, we're talking about millions of people, even in the smallest sense. That right now. You know, we're you know, in the NFL. We're covering the offseason. We're getting ready to say, okay, who's going to be free agents? And we're talking about which quarterback is going to be moving around. And in this offseason, we heard, uh, you know, we heard criticism from former quarterbacks like Brett Favre and Carson Palmer calling out Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott for saying, oh, you guys want to be on new teams. You should be thankful to be on the teams that you're on. You should be, you know, we should, you should just be happy that you're playing the sport and you're making money off of it. Meanwhile, there have been three white quarterbacks who have been traded during that time and three white quarterbacks that requested to be traded and it was granted to them and not a word about their being ungrateful for the team that, that they're on or, you know, saying that they should just be happy with the money that they're getting. It wasn't a peep about that. And you see situations like that and you're just, and you have to think, wow, like what is this quarterback? What, you know, what does it feel like to be that quarterback in that moment to hear that kind of criticism? Like, really, that's what you think about me. And again, that's something so much smaller than what people go through. But that's when you talk about microaggressions, things that they don't seem like a whole lot in the moment, but it's definitely a, a factor of race that was brought into a situation that was heaped upon you. And it's probably being heaped upon other people. And I think a lot of black people out there can, can can sympathize and empathize and think that, hey, I had a situation where I was at work or I was just, you know, somewhere where something happened to me. And I knew that I had to let this roll off my shoulder because if I if I made a big stink about this in the moment, it would have a taken a whole lot of time out of my day when I had a lot of things to do like everyone else. And B, I don't know if that situation, if me calling it out is going to get me anything because so many times when black people say that this, this, this is racism, you know, this is a problem. This, you know, even calling him, you say, Oh, you're playing the race card, which is one of the typical comebacks that a lot of people who have problems with people who fight racism, racism say. And to me, uh, one of my favorite authors, uh, and, uh, you know, he's a professor at Fisk university, Tim wise, he wrote an essay years ago that said, the, the the race card is the biggest myth in the world. It's like the two of diamonds because it has no power because anytime someone does bring up race, you dismiss not saying you, but you know, someone dismisses it and says, you're just bringing this up, you know, as an excuse and racism is a factor here when obviously it is. And oftentimes it's the people who aren't walking in the shoes of the people that have to deal with racism that say it is that. So I, I think that, like you said, it's about, recognizing where you can bring bring out you know pull pull apart and say hey look at these components to this conversation look at how this decision was made compared to that decision or how this narrative was painted versus to that narrative was painted and let's examine why these things are happening and even when it may not be the most convenient for for an athlete when they do that they're helping further the conversation in this country and it's constantly we know what it is Aaron and John Black people, we got to push our own progress because when we don't, nobody else will. My favorite comment from the Locked On Texans podcast review, I kid you not, these hosts are as racist as Stephen A. is. Everything mm -hmm. they say revolves around yep. the racism from the black side. Yep. Uh, and you know, honestly, <laughs> that's my favorite comment simply because, well, at least I know I'm speaking some type of truth. Mm -hmm. And this is around the, you know, the, the cracking of Deshaun wanting to be out. You guys know we have a lot of a lot of chaos mm -hmm. going on in Houston behind the scenes. And to your point, you know, Carson Wentz came out and said, hey, I, I want to be going. Nobody, and I mean nobody, said anything about Carson Wentz wanting to be going. Honestly, I saw more people saying it'll, it'll be working out. It'll, it'll be better for Philly to move on from him than anything. But when Deshaun speaks – uh, his piece about what's going on. And the funny thing about it is a lot of people may or may not know what the hell is going on behind the scenes. It's kind of like, do you want him to put up with all of this? But you wouldn't expect this from a Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. Tom Brady had that one year in New England, his last year, where, Bill, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Are you not going to listen to me? Guess what I'm going to do? I'm getting out of here. Of course, he was a free agent, so he didn't have to request a trade, but I love the conversation that we can always spark because at least I know that uh, my job was done. And as athletes, to bring it back to them, 
we have to understand that they are facing so much scrutiny and they still go out there, try to perform on the field and off the field. And that strength is, is something that we need to constantly, for the good ones at least, applaud. Because it's easy to go off the broken path. It's really easy. And we, we see guys like LeBron, Deshaun Watson, who just did an amazing work for his uh, for the, the foundation in Georgia, still helps out Houston. James Harden, who was just traded, people were leaving one-star reviews on his new restaurant that didn't even open. And he was still mm-hmm. pouring into the city of Houston with a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Like that's what being a black athlete is. And I think white athletes do an amazing job as well. But do white athletes go through the same scrutiny as black athletes? No. Point being, and, and you know, talking about, I think it's important to talk about uh, stories that we've covered where, where we stood up for, you know, on an issue of race. And it's been clear that we are black and we're covering these sports. And that's the other thing. It's there's a lot of courage in covering these things because the athletes receive it. Journalists receive it too. We get death threats. We, we, we get, you know, we get, we get people calling us out and saying like, you know, like, like John said, you, you get reviews that says you're a racist, you know, uh, Ross, Ross Jackson, he's, he's pointing out, he's gotten reviews that have criticized him when he talks about issues of race, um, you know, for the Steelers, uh, you know, Alejandro Villanueva uh, refused to go along with the Steelers protest uh, at the start of the season that honored Antoine Rose, who was a young black man who was gunned down by the police a few years ago, and they put his name on the back of their helmet. Well, he covered up the name and put a different name on it. And in doing so, he tried to say, well, it was honoring Alwyn Cash, who was a soldier who died in Iraq and didn't get the Congressional Medal of Honor. And I was trying to bring attention to that. Well, it, it was later revealed that it was all, he was already scheduled to get the Medal of Honor by that time. And then that had no impact. So why didn't you just go along with it? And Villanueva was, this, Villanueva was the same stealer who refused to go along with the team's protest of police brutality uh, years ago when they refused to come out of the tunnel against the Chicago Bears uh, back in, I believe that was 2017. You you look at you know I, I simply pointed out on my shows like there are two times this team has openly protested police brutality against p- p- black people in this country and both times he has refused to go along with it. Now when I stated that fact, I didn't call him a racist. I didn't say what you know what is what where his heart was. I didn't say who he hates. I just said this is what he's done. And I asked the question, why would he choose only these two times to not stand with the team in his like ninety games of playing with the Steelers? And I got. Like John, I got one-star reviews, people saying, oh, you're a racist because you're talking about this and you're saying that he's a racist. I, I never said these things that you're saying. I simply pointed out facts, and you don't like the facts that I'm pointing out. And and, and I maintain after that, you know, I, like, I'm not going to shy away from it just because you're trying to do things that might hurt my credibility or hurt my show. I've taken heat from that, and I think that's where – um, that's where we're talking about where athletes got to stand up journalists, people who cover these sports, we have to do the same thing because if we don't talk about it, we're not helping further the conversations. And how many times have we seen a, a an athlete do something, but it not get the proper attention it deserves. And then it, it kind of fizzles out when people talk about it in the media and that's where we work. It helps change the narrative. Yeah. I think you guys make some, some great points there. And it goes back to, I think, some of the stuff when you look at black history, uh, not only in this country, but in sports, where oftentimes things are taught in a certain way where, you know, I know growing up in in Virginia, like when it came to Black History Month and talking about Jackie Robinson, it's like the narrative of, oh, you know, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in 1947 and racism was solved ever, you know, after that. Martin Luther King did his I Have a Dream speech uh, in Washington in 1960s, and racism was no longer an issue in America. Um, And it's one of those things where I think Black athletes really have an opportunity, as you guys have said, and as well as people like ourselves with our platforms, to really have chances to, you know, continue to push that ball further because it did, those events did not solve the problem. They're just sort of the big stepping stone, the big opportunity, the big headline grabbing uh, moment that, you know, thrust this into the prominence for a lot of people in this country of all races, of all backgrounds, but it didn't solve the problem. And I think that's where people like ourselves, as well as the athletes, have an opportunity to sort of step in and and continue to push things forward and and continue to make progress for people of all backgrounds, uh, whether they be black, white, uh, or any uh, race uh, moving forward. 
The way that black athletes make history off the playing field, I think, is an important topic to discuss because as we've discussed throughout today, it's not just what black athletes do on the playing field, but it's what they do off the playing field. And I think we look at recent examples, particularly over the last several years, not only with Colin Kaepernick, with the protests and whatnot, you look at what the WNBA has done with the Atlanta Dream and, you know, particularly in the last four years where black athletes and what they have done has inspired major political change in this country. And I think the Atlanta dream is one example of that, where you just look at the situation where someone who was a part owner of that team um, was, you know, elected to Congress or whatever the case may be. And their team was like, we don't stand for what this person stands for and was very proactive in, in protesting um, and not just the WNBA, the NBA, you know, in the bubble this past summer. And so I think these are opportunities where black athletes have really uh, stood out. Protest has been sort of a big issue in this country, particularly these last couple of years. And I think this is where black athletes, uh, including the Atlanta Dream, have really done an excellent job as I said earlier, sort of moving the ball forward uh, for not only athletes, but people of all races and backgrounds, because particularly with political change, that's not something that's just affecting one group of people. That's affecting everybody. And so I think that's really an opportunity for where black athletes have really sort of stood up and, and, and taken uh, their platforms to, to new levels. You know, in 2011, when LeBron James started uh, mentioned he wanted to go to the Miami Heat. I hated LeBron. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I was in school, and the washing machine would break down at the dorms, and I would bang, blame LeBron on it on Twitter. But 2018, he opened uh, the I Promise School. And I got to tell you, I don't care about who's the GOAT on the basketball court, but when you open up a school from grades one through eight and understanding the poverty level and how – kids are affected within those grades for me nothing LeBron or any NBA athlete will ever do in my opinion would top that and I say that because you know I'm 28 uh, you guys may be younger older than me but the children are still the future no matter what generation the kids will be the future everything that we wanted to have but we may not was able to capture we still can find ways to give back to the kids. And that is the greatest off-court um, feature to me because you're allowing kids to be in a school that is that has people that look like them, that can relate to them, that's going to teach you what needs to be taught. And then that school also provides parents opportunities. If you don't have enough money to feed your kids, we have after-school programs to where your child can eat. That means the world to me. And so, you know, honestly, I think that any athlete that put themselves in a position to affect the younger generation, and I may say this a lot during this show because I work with kids on the day-to-day -day basis and I understand firsthand how important it is for these kids to see this and be a part of this experience before it's quote-unquote too late. Uh, that's amazing to me. That's a, And I love what the Atlanta Dream did with their political stance. Uh, but when you have an opportunity to get into the minds of kids, and on top of that, they get an opportunity uh, every, every now and then to see LeBron James, it makes it all worth it. One of the many things that I think that doesn't get talked about enough is the are the behind-the-scenes work that a lot of these Black athletes have done. And, you know, you think back to – Back it back, you know, again to our past, you know, people a lot of people don't realize Paul Robinson, Jim Brown, Jackie Robinson, all of them knew each other. You know, they worked, they, they, they talked to each other, they built off each other, they they needed each other's help. Kareem Abdul Jabbar, you know, was you know, there was there was unification on black athletes to make the stances that they did and to challenge narratives the way they did it. And today, um, even in something that may not sound like it off the top of your head, like, oh, this is a, an issue of race. You know, LeBron James has helped move a lot of conversations. You know, one thing like like John talked about, you know, he didn't like he hated the fact that LeBron went to went to Miami. But part of you know the whole most of the country hated that move unless you lived in Miami or you were a Heat fan or you or you were rooting for LeBron to be able to do that. But 
before LeBron did that, it was very rare for black athletes to be able to dictate, I'm going to this franchise. I'm going to the, and let's talk about, uh, let, let's, let's, let's team up with our, with, with our, with the guys that we know and trust. And let's, let's choose our own destiny instead of the owners having all the power in those conversations to make those things happen now. And that was what 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Now we're in a position where we're like, yeah, that's, that's just part of the NBA. These players recognize they have power. And a huge part of that was LeBron stepping up and doing it. I know you could all say the Celtics were in that, were in that regard, but but you look at the way that he that he framed it and how you know he did a decision and all, all, all the money that went for the that went into the decision went into charities that he set up. You know, charity aside, he's helping push these narratives that say, hey, this is different. And like, for example, in, you know, in football. People are talking about like, oh, how dare, you know, back to the quarterback, how dare this quarterback not want to play for somebody that signed them. But no one said that about John Elway when he refused to play for the team he was going to be drafted by. No one refused. No one said that about Eli Manning when he refused to be, uh, you know, be, be on the Chargers when he was drafted and originally drafted. It's it's part of changing those conversations in those in those moments, because I think you see an effect where when you see an example in sports people can easily translate that back into their lives and think like, Hey, yeah, like that they're saying this, they're saying this, this thing about how LeBron does his business, but this guy over here has been, you know, did did this and no one said a word about it. And when I, when I look at that, I think that's a big part of the conversation is working behind the scenes to figure out the best ways to present, to present it. Because, you know, as we all know, messages can be misconstrued messages can be can be warped spun in the news and changed to mean something different um and many people have gone have gone through that um but part of working against that is knowing that there are allies out, out there that you have and then you know as as journalists we know that there's times when we kind of talk, talk to each other there's times ross and i have talked about some of the struggles that we've gone through in hosting our shows in fact we we did a joint show where we were talking about you know where pittsburgh and, and you know the, the steelers and the saints are you know in similar situations with the franchise and we talked about how you know in one city, Sean Payton hasn't won a Super Bowl since 2009, and you know he's kind of given that liberty to kind of keep going. And on the other hand, Mike Tomlin hasn't won a Super Bowl since 2008, and every year I got to fend off people from saying fire Mike Tomlin. And it's like, well, wait a second, you know what? What's the difference here? And we get at least to, con- to talk about that and grow from it and say, okay, how do we better? present you know, go at this situation because everybody's had these different experiences, and when you share them with each other, I think it helps further our efforts off off the field and what what people are doing behind the scenes that most people don't know about until you write a book about it 10 years later you know what i think is next for black history of sports is to understand that everything does not have to be actually on the field or the court uh Sports is huge. Of course, you have the athletes, but you know, growing up, my grandmother made it a point to where I had to research and write, and that became a love for me. And then I was able to see Amar Rashad. The one thing I always loved about Amar Rashad was he was able to be himself with athletes. So teach and under well, I'm sorry, teach the young kids that are interested that if you don't make it to the professional level, or if you don't make it to the collegiate level, there are so many other outlets and so many avenues to take in order to still be in the game that you love. It may not be sacrificing your body on the field or on the court or putting in those training hours to get better for your shot or uh, route running, but you can still put in that same amount of time to understand the game more, to understand how to articulate it, to understand how to write about it, to understand how to present the game that you love to thousands and millions of people. That's very important because I think once you do that, you can teach so many different people about what's going on that really don't have a clue outside of scoring, winning and losing. Yeah. I think that's a um, interesting way of putting it, John, because I think that puts some of the responsibility back on people like us who, who have a platform, um, not because we are star athletes, but we cover some of these star athletes. 
and giving voice to some of their stories and being able to get these unique perspectives that we have. And, and this goes back to something Chris said earlier, sort of where, you know, relating to the conversations that he's had with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints um, about the different perspectives that different cities and different environments have towards different people. And I think we have an opportunity in our space to, you know, use our platforms for good to go beyond just talking about what these players do on the field or on the court or whatever the case may be, and really give voice to some of the struggles, the everyday struggles, not only that black athletes have to endure, but also black people in general have to endure. And I think, you know, as we share in this space with black athletes that use their platforms and their prominence to spread that message, I think it's, it's up to people like ourselves um, to take that responsibility as well and, and, and try our best to use our platforms in a similar manner and, and add to the conversation as opposed to subtracting from the conversation. I think to answer the question, you know, I think the next thing to go to next place to go when it comes to making change with, you know, with black people in sports and seeing progress here and where what's what's the next frontier, what's the next battle. I, I think it's recognizing the power that we have as people and realize that in, in most sports, Black people will make up the majority of, uh, you know, or or at least a strong core of who's playing. You know, outside of hockey, you know, uh, you know, and baseball, smaller so. But in the NBA and the NFL, NFL, the two biggest, you know, ma- major, you know, professional leagues in in the country, black people dominate as far as how many people are there. And I think a huge step that has to happen next is getting people to switch from performative action to actual action. And we saw when when it was popular to talk about Black Lives Matter and George Floyd, you know, and, it, it, you know, people people were like, oh, yeah, we're for it. But the whole point is like, well, OK, we get that you're you're happy to say Black Lives Matter now, because a few years ago, that was a cuss word to a lot of people in this country. People were like, oh, Black Lives Matter. Oh, that's like the Ku Klux Klan. That's, and, and at least they've got it to the point where more people in this country are starting to say, OK, they're literally just saying their lives matter as much as ours. That's not as bad. But now it's, it's beyond acknowledging that and saying, hey, something has to happen here. We need laws to change so that police officers don't get the rights to do this and just walk away after killing someone who was innocent and, or unarmed and didn't deserve to die. And again, that's just the tip of the iceberg when an athlete wants to talk about gentrification, when an athlete wants to talk about, you know, healthcare discrimination in, in healthcare, and how and how any facet where they where they're fighting these issues it's about finding a way to get action on those and and more than just a, you know a, a banner in the end zone that says oh racism is bad or you know things like that and i think that the that the nfl players started to realize that during this offseason with the george floyd stuff when they made that video that came out and said black lives matter when you saw deshaun watson and ezekiel elliott and patrick mahomes and just star upon star upon star upon star and the nfl was like okay, we have to acknowledge this. This isn't just one player who, you know, made a Super Bowl like Colin Kaepernick. This is the bulk of our league that if these guys did, if they did, took this a step further and quit or sat out games, our ratings would tank and it would become a huge problem. We have to find a way to work with that. I think black athletes, especially those type of players, the LeBron Jameses, um, when you look at their power that they have in their industry, that if, you know, where, where where certain athletes go, that's where the ratings go. And that's what demands the dollar. The next step for me is those guys recognizing and saying, okay, how far can we push these organizations to stand with us and, and, and take action to get actual change on laws, on, you know, how certain things are funded, on, you know, how, how to change the, the narratives and to push this across the board. That to me is the, is the next frontier because we've seen black people, black, black, black athletes change things themselves. We've seen them put the, make themselves a martyr in sports to change the world. Um, and that's, that's great. But I think the next step is unifying to say like, you know what, we're all a united front. And if you take, if you, if you try to take one of us down, that's easy. But if you try to ban all of us, you're going to kill your product. 
And that's at the end of the day, that's what to these owners, to the people that that invest, to the people that, that make the money from they make the most money from this stuff. That's where they're like, we can't lose their 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 product here. And I think that's where to me, that's where the next step has to come as far as challenging and pushing and moving forward when it comes to talking about black history and sports. You know, I want to say this before I get out of here, before we all get out of here. I watched uh, Judas and the Black Messiah over the weekend and um, over oh, the snowstorm, actually, before my power went out. Uh, but Fred Hampton was so dangerous because of, in my opinion, the Rainbow Coalition. So let me step out of sports. The future, tomorrow, what's, what's the difference between tomorrow and the future? Well, right now, today, we still have a lot of segregation. Uh, it may not be as apparent as it was 50 or 60 years ago when everything was so black and white in those photos, but it's still apparent every day. Everybody has to come on board with a better future for tomorrow. So, yes, 80% of the NFL is, is African-American. Yes, is it higher? It's higher in the NBA, I believe. Uh, however, nobody is really going to progress as as a whole, if we don't all come together. And I know that may sound cliche or, you know, I have a dream, but the reality of it is over the snowstorm, everybody was suffering. Didn't matter if you was Asian, didn't matter if you was black, didn't matter if you were Hispanic, white, uh, it didn't matter who you were, everybody was suffering. And the one thing I love about my city, born and raised Houston, Texas since 1992, you guys remember how bad, how you look. If you needed water, here goes some water. If I had some extra food to spare, here you go. Because at the end of the day, do I want you to die and I could have helped? Do I want you to starve and I could have helped? And so to bring it to the grand scale of thing, do I want you to stay suppressed and oppressed if I could have helped? Vice versa. Everybody has to get on board. Uh, I think the Rainbow Coalition was maybe the most dangerous thing that Fred Hampton and the Black Panther Party could have ever came up with because he recognized that you're poor and you're white. I'm poor and I'm black. You're poor and you're, and you're Hispanic. How about we all get together and make ourselves for our family and their kids and our future, their future, better by education, understanding the plight of where we are right now together, and how can we each build one another up? So that's, that's just me. I'm not necessarily, I don't always believe in uh, quote unquote a white hero, but I do believe in unity for everybody. So that way, you know, the kids can go through a life a little bit better than what we did growing up. Uh, and I think that's the next step for tomorrow, the future. Everybody has to open doors for one another. Yeah, I think, I think unity is a great point there, John. And uh, this will be, I guess, my last point as well. It's, I think, you know, Chris, you talk about martyrdom, right? And I think that's an opportunity for Black athletes to use their platform and know, look, Colin Kaepernick, while he was, you know, quote unquote, martyred and is no longer has a playing career, you know, it wasn't the end of the world. And you see his sacrifice, um, you know, sacrificing millions of dollars to stand up for something that he believes in. And I think that can be a message message not only to athletes but of all people that they can stand up uh, for something and really push for change and, and goes to what you you're talking about whether it's black athletes getting together and forcing the NFL to not just pay lip service to certain topics whether it's the NBA um, doing the same thing and in the case of what John's talking about is bringing people together the way that sports are supposed to to bring people together where you can go to a stadium and sit next to a person, you know, that um, may have very different political views than you, very different social beliefs, beliefs than you, very different religious beliefs than you and come together and, and have that connection, that one-to-one -one connection of saying, we both root for this same team. We both are wearing a Deshaun Watson Jersey. We both are wearing a bit, Burger jersey. We're, we're both wearing uh, a Matt Ryan or Julio Jones jersey or whatever the case may be. And that's a sort of point of connection of humanity. Um, you know, it tends to be 
at times when you when you look at things that are going on in the world, it tends to be a little bit sometimes feels like a pie in the sky hope. But I think that's an opportunity that as long as people recognize that there is a point of connection between people, the humanity, the unity, that's something that we can push for. That's something that we can strive for. It's not going to be something that can be solved overnight, but I do think it's something that is a goal that athletes and people of all races can push towards and, and be inspired um, to try to achieve at some point in our lifetimes. Building off of a, a point that John brought up, you know, when he talked about Fred Hampton in the movie Judas the Black Poseidon, and, and what was most scary was that he was getting people to unify on, on, uh, on messages and on saying like, hey, let's do this and let's do this. One thing that scared people the most uh, and J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI, we're talking about Cointel Pro there. Uh, that's another thing in Black history that you can look up if you if you don't know what that is. Uh, but, you know, Malcolm X was, you know, he considered Malcolm X a Messiah type guy. And he said Malcolm X became way too dangerous when he came back from Mecca. And he was talking about human rights and how Black people's struggles were related to a lot of different people's struggles as well. And how that was starting to change the narrative of, you know, it's not just segregation, who sits where on a bus, it's how much money does this community get? Who's allowed to live where? Like John talked about, you know, segregation is very much real. You know, people talk about whether it's de facto or de jure. And, you know, if, if one thing I would suggest that there's a great book called The Color of Law that came out a few years ago. It is a great point that says that, like, listen, laws may have gone away about segregation, but the practices are still here. And they're just and it's just that they're not in your face, but they're very obvious when you start to investigate and see how why, why certain communities in, in the in the country are so divided by race. And I live in one of the one of the biggest ones, Pittsburgh, and I know Houston is another big one in this country when you look at, you know, when, when, when people have studied, you know, where people have lived. But on the point of unity, on the point of coming together, I think that that is definitely something where the people the people who, who have the opportunity to see on the field, like, Hey, you know what? These guys are, you know, one of the big things that always used to, to stop people thinking that they're, that these athletes are like them. It's like, Oh, they're millionaires. It's like, yes, but they're also employees. Yes. They make more money than you because they work, they work a, a job that, that that's in an industry that demand that demands that kind of attention, but they still are working to get the most out of, uh, out of their job, just like you're getting the most out of your job. And, you know, I think that when people start to break those barriers down of, hey, there are things I can relate about here. Like, for example, when someone says, oh, you should be happy to work where you work and you shouldn't try to take a job that pays you more money. You know, and then when you immediately try to relate that back, well, wait a second. If I'm working in an accountant office and this other firm wants to hire me and for more money, you think I shouldn't take that? It, would you apply that to your own life? Um, and I think that there's a chance, and this is what I was talking about earlier about black athletes coming together and real recognizing their power, um, other athletes joining them as well. And I think that that's something that started to happen more with this George Floyd conversation, because when you start to realize what's happening to black people, you start to realize what's happening to yourself. Because there's, uh, to, to me, racism has always been something to help disguise classism in the, in the, in the United States of America and in the world. And when people start to realize that, hey, if black people weren't here, there would still be people that would be hated. There would still there would be a different group of people. They would, they'd find a new way to, uh, to to group them. But there are somebody who would be mistreated and downtrodden and, and oppressed the way that black people the black people have been in this country. And I think that's where, as John was saying, we can, if we come together on that. And recognize that it because to come together isn't just saying, hey, black people, forget about anything that happened to you. No, come together is saying, listen, we all we have been saying is give us the same shot that you would expect for yourself. And then examine what do you expect for yourself? Because there's a lot of people out there that I don't think understand that they aren't given enough in this country when it comes to their job or their health care or their their rights as an individual. And that's something that I think that black people whether it's in sports, whether it's in politics, whether it's in law, whether it's in anything, they have, black people, we have, we have, as a people have pushed in this country to change so much. So that's where I see 
you know, sports relating to a lot of this, it can help push so many of those conversations. Also, as black men, let's not try to push out our black women in sports. Absolutely. On the field or in the office. Uh, because I got to tell you this, man, I've seen so many disgusting comments on the carry champions and, you know, the list goes on. The Jamel but Hills, yeah, you're right. Jamel Hills, understand this. They know more about sports than a lot of men. We're all trying to get there. And um, just just respect them, you know. You may may not agree with them. You may disagree with them a lot. But if you disagree with me, are you going to attack my character? Well, you may, but just respect them and show them the same love that uh, you show to your male counterparts. That's it, you know, for me at least. I agree entirely and, and and respect them, you know, whether they're athletes or they're journalists, because their voices count just as much as ours. And sometimes even more so because, you know, we talk about what black men go through, black women go through it twice because they're women and they're black. They, they don't get a reprieve that we do at least as black men, we can say, okay, we're part of the patriarchal society. And we, we have these advantages to us uh, as being men, black women don't even get that. And I, I agree entirely. You know, when we talk about what, what a lot, I mean, Serena Williams to go where she's gone. People, even black men try to tear her down. Jason Whitlock, and we all know Jason Whitlock's a little different than most black journalists, but he he, he said she looked like a gorilla. I like Serena Williams. Are you crazy? That, that that's those are the things that black women they go through on top of what black men go through, both as journalists and as athletes. I agree entirely, John. That's something else that has to happen, even within our own communities, where we're saying like, hey, you respect them just like you respect any, anybody else. That's, that's why one of the first people I brought up was Naomi Osaka and what she's doing at such a young age in tennis. I think there's such a huge opportunity for, for her and for other women. And, and Naomi's even said like Serena inspired her. Got, and, 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 and the impact that Serena had by just being herself and pushing the barriers in her own sport that's opening up the doors for so many other young black women to say, I can do that too. And I agree for the Kari champions, the Jamel Hills and Jamel, one of my, she's one of my favorite people to listen to because she doesn't back down when she says what she says. She's like, I meant that. And you know, ESPN, you know, you know, you know didn't want to you know, handle, handle certain situations. She's like, all right, cool. I'm out. I'll make my own things. And now she's got her, she's, she's continuing her career. She's still a major voice in the, in the sports journalism community. I agree with you, John. We got to support them as black men. We have to support them the way that we expect black women to support us. Thank you for joining us for today's Locked On Presents More Than The Game. Black History Month may be wrapping up, but the conversation continues. To keep up with more conversation like these, subscribe to the Locked On Presents feed on radio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.